Ready to try it again. Ready. So y'all's the first ones. Now they know they have no excuse. <laughs> Aim. Aim. <laughs> Fire. Y'all ready? Come on. With some boldness, right? Some boldness. Ready. Ready is about alignment. Y'all ready? Aim. Aim is about assignment. Y'all better bring this, right? Fire! Ooh, a little extra. That's what your pastor said too. It's okay. No, I'm just playing. Fire is about activation. Can I tell y'all something? We love fire. Right? We love, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want I want and let the fire fall, let the wind blow, let the glory come down. Come on, praise team, say, let the fire fall, let the wind blow. Yeah. We love fire songs. We love wind and water, but that spirit of oceans isn't on me this morning, so we're not going to preach on that. Right, we, we, we love the elemental songs, we love the experience, we love the encounter, we love the activation, we love coming to conference moments like this, they fire us up, we get to come in, it is an environment like none other. I always tell people that serve on a praise team in a conference like this, I need you to know something, this is not normal. So don't go home to your church and necessarily get mad because they didn't bring it like this when you had a room full of hundreds of worship leaders. And you go back and you got a plumber that just got off work. You got somebody from FedEx that came straight from packing and shipping and showed up with sleep in their eye. We love fire. We love the experience. We love the encounter. But so often we skip the first two steps. We want to get here without actually going through the process we want to jump to the expectation, but we don't like preparation. We can come into these moments and think, you know, you, you hear the hot new worship song or the set list that Pastor Tiffany or, or, or Pastor Jeremy brought, and we think that we can just go back and when we go back to our church, we're just going to expect the same fire and the same anointing and the same activation of transformation to take place just because we did the same song and set list. Let me ask you this. Do you know the process that Pastor Tiffany has walked through to get her anointing? Do you know the decades of prayer and perseverance that Pastor Brett and so many along with him have journeyed through 
to steward and protect and cultivate an environment that the Spirit could be poured out in such a way that you're experiencing this weekend. This is not a microwave activation you're experiencing this weekend. There's a process. Don't get me wrong. There is, there is power in songwriting. I'm listening to some of these songs this week, and I'm like, we're going to do that one, and we're going to do that transition, and i got to find me about three of them praise team members, right? But I love songs, and, I, and, I, and, and don't get, I love songwriting. I think there's power in songs. There's anointing in songs. You hear a song, he's like, ooh, that's got some earl on it. It's oily. It's, 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 it's anointed. But... There, there's a life behind lyrics. There, there's a vessel that God uses to release and to pour out and utilize a song. I'm pretty sure that God's not looking to and fro. He's not looking all over for just songs. He's looking for sons and daughters who would be aligned, who would come into their assignment and would be activated for his glory. Ready. It's about alignment. Probably one of the most utilized and used verses when it comes to worship context, whether it be musical or otherwise, is Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What we need to know about alignment is alignment is about a posture. Yes, we're going to speak specific to those in musical worship, but as a whole, what the scripture is telling us is that God doesn't just want your song, he wants your life. That first and foremost, if we're talking about going from uh, expectation to activation, it begins with aligning our lives in submission to Jesus, in submission to lordship. I know this seems like an elementary teaching at a worship conference, but how often are we satisfied and content with people showing anointing without walking in submission? I heard an interview with a gospel artist in my region, and he was talking about the selection process for worship team members. And one of the questions that was fielded to this interview to this artist was, you know, is there a process of, you know, getting to know their testimony and and, and their heart and, you know, what about their lifestyle? And of all the things, when it came to talking about, oh, my band is hot, oh, my singers are like this, oh, we're going here, we're doing these dates, the only question he backed off of is when it came to talking about character, you got this standard when it comes to having the drum chops, but when it comes to walking in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, like, you know, I mean, I, everybody got to walk that out on their own. <laughs> it's about being aligned and submitted to him. God, what you say is what I say. What you do is what I do. I am who you say I am. But it's not a posture of intimidation, but intimacy. See, sometimes we're afraid to submit because we we sense this. It's like a domination thing. Do you know it's an invitation to encounter the person of God? 
to come into his presence, to come and seek his word, not just to try to get a quick word for the Bible study, but to come and get to know him, to worship, not just on the platform, but in private. Can I tell you, my most incredible, when people ask me, Pastor John, you've, been, you've led worship. What's the most incredible worship encounter you've ever had? Can I tell you, it was in my dining room on the floor when nobody was there and the acoustics were great. But he was. He was. It's an invitation of alignment. But here's the other thing about alignment is it's not just with God. It's with one another. And to be more specific to those of you involved in musical worship within your local church, it's not only fellowship but submission to the leadership of the house. It's, it's being aligned with the vision of the house and being willing to allow yourself to come under God's authority, but spiritual authority that can tell you no, and you don't just hop to another church the next week. When a car starts to pull to the left or the right, it's not because there's a flat tire, right? It's not necessarily because you ran out of gas. It's because your alignment is off. And some of you, you feel a pull one way or another at times, and, and, and you start questioning, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. They don't really see my anointing the way I know God sees my anointing. <laughs> Can I submit to you? Your alignment is off. It's just a gentle rebuke. Because this is something that I know, and I, I, as I've been praying for this, some of you, God brought you here because the master wants to do your alignment. You've been pulling one way and another way, and God wants to get you aligned. Aim, ready, is about alignment. Aim is about assignment. Can I ask you a question? What is your assignment? What is your target? What is your aim? Now, as followers of Christ, as believers, we have the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go therefore to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is a charge to the whole body of Christ. This is the meta mission of the Big C Church. However, within that and under the authority of that meta mission, we have submissions that are specific to your local church context and individually to you. In every nation, we say it this way we exist to honor God by establishing Christ centered, spirit empowered, and socially responsible churches and campuses in every nation. Grace Covenant has a similar aim, to help win the Washington metropolitan area by planting Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries. 
At City of Lights, we have a similar saying. We twist it a little bit within our context. We say we exist to connect to people, ignite a city, and light the world for the glory of God. We want to connect people to Christ and community. We want people to become ignited and awakened in, their, in the spirit through discipleship and leadership development. We want to light the world through service and outreach. And the reason you would hear those and sense some similarities is because we are aligned. We're aligned, and your alignment will define your assignment. If you are constantly, continually aligned by self, your assignment will ultimately be defined by self. That will be your aim, and when you get there, what will happen is you will inevitably find yourself empty and never satisfied. If, if your alignment is solely based on the opinion of others, then your assignment will be defined and set and established by the opinions of others, and your aim eventually will lead you to a place where you are lonely and confused. Can I tell you, there is a difference between being aligned with others and by others. But if you're truly aligned, by God. You will be defined by God and your aim and assignment, though compelled with compassion for others because God loves the world and though aligned with others because God is building a family and though refined through God's development of your gifts and personality because God made you and he loves you, it will ultimately be about his glory and his purposes in the earth. It's in this place of assignment and aim, when you begin to get some action steps and take inventory. It always is interesting to me, particularly within the context, whether it's marketing or setting goals, how people will say, this is our goal, but they actually don't do the practical things to hit that target. And yet they keep saying, this is my goal, this is my goal, this is my goal. And I say, well, you just need to change targets or make some changes. You see, if your aim is to serve on the worship team, the musical worship team, you have an assignment to get some voice lessons. Some of y'all need to be in the class later on today. And that's not just the tone deaf ones. Somebody gave me a great bit of information. You know, do you know that um, Tiger Woods has an instructor? People think the voice lessons are just for people who can't sing. And you think just because you had a natural gift that you don't need that. And I just say, so that's all you're going to give God? You're just going to give him a raw talent? You won't refine it? You won't allow him to take you to the process to take a coal and turn it into a diamond so you can reflect him in a greater way? I'm just saying, you should get some lessons. You should get some lessons. If, if your aim is to win the World Series, then you should probably first win the pennant. Congratulations to the Nationals. Can I tell you, if your aim is to serve and to cultivate a rich worship culture in your church, then your assignment is to connect with the worship pastor and not ask when you can get on the platform, but how may I serve? 
how may I serve? If you are a worship leader or worship pastor and you want to cultivate this kind of environment, you, you, you come here and you say, God, Lord, I want to get a vision for what we could do, what we could be, what we could accomplish, that you have an assignment to go and mine the vision of your senior leader because the lead pastor is the lead worshiper in the church and continually align with and build with that aim and vision in mind. I tell worship pastors and worship leaders all the time, your chief goal is not self-broadcasting. It's not letting everybody know how talented you are. It's coming in alignment with the vision of God and the vision of the house and cultivating that. Now, if you are a lead pastor, I, I ask that you not just get before the Lord for your messages and for your vision, but that you get a vision for the worship culture that you want in your church. That you sit down and you write the vision and you make it plain so that others can take hold of it and run because as a church planter, and we planted City of Lights. Uh, we moved to Indianapolis in 2016. I was going back home and we just celebrated two years and there's been a lot of new things that I never had to think about as a worship pastor that I have to think about now. I remember getting ready for our first preview service and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm going through the set list. I'm feeling all anointed and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that. And then Kelly called me up. She goes, hey, do you have changing pads for the kids ministry? I was like, changing pads? She's like, yes, senior pastor of a church plant. We need wipes and changing pads. Okay. Thank you, Lord. But, but what you want to do is you tend to, okay, I need to delegate some things. I need to outsource some things. I can't do everything. And so I, I say this, uh, Pastor, is you can outsource graphic design. You, you can outsource and delegate some things, but you cannot outsource your worship culture. And though you can empower and release worship leaders to come alongside you and cultivate that, if we don't own it as senior leaders... What we do is involuntarily launch an unsanctioned church plant down the road. It takes investment. It takes time. But it's worth it. Can I tell you, yes, we're here by the grace of God, but we're here this weekend and experiencing and benefiting from the worship atmosphere and the culture that is here. And I say, when I say worship, I mean it in the most holistic way, not just musical worship culture. When you stepped and you drove on in this property, you stepped into an atmosphere of heaven to earth. Yes, because God had a vision, but also because Pastor Brett owned a vision. Pastor Brett, he is a lead worshiper. And not only him, but then Tiffany and others came along with him and caught that vision and took hold of that vision. And they've been walking together and trusting God together and going through challenges together and conflict together and trusting and loving and mutual submission and, and crying out together. For over two decades, y'all, this doesn't just happen. And so it's work, but it's worth it. So when you go back home and you expect a 30-year cultivation to happen in three minutes or three days because you got all the set lists from Pastor Tiffany, 
You've got to understand you're on the beginning of a process of alignment, of assignment. And then, of course, what we've all been waiting for, fire. We love, come on, somebody, fire! (laughs) Now, help me, Jesus. But I I just want to, I've got, I want to be, I want to honor my time, but this is what I got to say about this. Is that the fire, the activation and the release of the kingdom through vessels who have been aligned and assigned, it does not always look like what we think it looks like. We can be so easily deceived by externals and think because Sister Shaphelot was dancing that all of a sudden the glory has come, right? We think we can get deceived and think because Uncle Unction is... That all of a sudden it means that the presence of God has been released. We just think, oh Lord, because Tyrone sang reckless love, yay! Tyrone's been reckless with a lot of other things, too. (laughs) Better call him. (laughs) We can be deceived by the externals and think, oh, surely, surely this is the prayer. Surely this is kingdom come. Surely this is the fire that we've been expecting. But can I tell you, there are two things that should follow this kind of activation, the first thing is enemy strongholds are broken. Man, I tell you what, our praise and our activation of this kind of demonstration of God's power should not just be defined or gauged by the sound of praises rising, but the sound of shackles falling off. There should be a There should be an expectation that when people come and the power of God is released and we declare things like chains fall, fear, bow, hear, now, that we expect that they're actually going to fall. And that they are. We should expect that the enemy's strongholds are broken, that the kingdom is being advanced. Do you know that he came to set the captives free? He came to set the captives free. There's something about that kind of environment that when you step into it, chains begin to fall off of people that they never thought we'd be free of. Not only do the chains fall off the people that expect it, but people that didn't even know they had chains, also like, whoa, what's that? What's happening? It's amazing. Some of you worship leaders, I, I learned a long time ago, I used to feel this. I'm like, you know, you get ready for cops, get ready for Sunday. Like, God, fall upon them. Help them. Do a work in them. Meanwhile, God's just sitting back laughing saying, baby boy, I'm about to work on you. I got some hard work. In Acts 16, there's an encounter with Paul and Silas. But before we even get to Acts 16, when we first encounter Paul, we see him going by his back home name. And I was like, Mama call him Saul, I'm going to call him Saul. <laughs> and he was a young man who was very zealous. He was hungry. He was studied. 
He was passionate, but his alignment was off. And he finds himself in a collision with the master, where he not only gets aligned to God, but then as you look at the subsequent passages, he begins to get aligned with a new family. He begins to get aligned with new covenant brothers. And it's through that alignment that his assignment becomes clear and he begins to get on mission and seeing God doing incredible things. We see here that he and Silas, they just got finished baptizing a successful businesswoman and her family and they were going to a place of prayer. And I would imagine that at this point, they were probably feeling a little like post-conference glory, right? You know, when you go, you're like, ooh, we're going to go tear down strongholds back in our city. Hey, yo, come on, Philly. You know, you start getting that residue. You're like, hey, yes, you start feeling that afterglow. You know, if you ever had a Sunday where you're like, oh, that was great, and you start feeling that extra glow. It says, and as we were going to a place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain in fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, what is amazing to me is here this young woman is, she's got, she got a spirit of divination. She's got uh, some demons going on. And what's amazing to me is the demons even recognize that these men are aligned with God. You might be able to fool the deacons in your church. You won't fool the demons. They know authority. They get that. But it says, and she kept doing this for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I just, it cracks me up that out of annoyance, this girl got free. He's like, I'm so tired of you being possessed. You know, you got some friends that you're like, I'm so tired of the enemy just taking hold of you. And you have, come out. Anyway, but when her owners saw that their hope and gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into a marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. God, would it be said of us that we are disturbing our city for the kingdom? They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. And then I'm going to hop down to verse 24. It says, having received this order, they put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. Did you think that the enemy was just going to let you move aligned and assigned and on your merry way without opposition? Do you know that if the devil can't define you, he sure as heck will try to confine you. And the confining of the enemy oftentimes comes with too or just. You're too old. You're too young. You're too white, you're too black, you're too other, you're too poor. Now, I got to admit, the devil's never told me I'm too rich. I'm just saying. I, I wouldn't mind that, that accusation. Uh, you're too churchy. You're too modern. You're just a kid. You're just a teacher. You're just a custodian. You're just a college student. You're just a musician. You're just a woman. But there's something about when you are walking in alignment with God and when he has aligned you with other people. You see, I love that Silas was with Paul. Silas, he wasn't like Sancho Panza. He wasn't like some little sidekick. He wasn't like little stumpy guy just like, hey, whatever you want to do, Bob. Like, no. <laughs> Silas had a little prophetic thing on him. 
He, 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 he wasn't just alone. There's something about when you are aligned with God, you are aligned with his people, you're surrounding yourself with people who are speaking God's truth over you, who are speaking his word over you, who are reminding you of how he defines you, that you can be put in prison and never be a prisoner. You can, he can try to confine you all that he wants, but all he is going to do is put you in a position for God to show out. Can you know that the enemy, when he tries to confine you, he can try to overwhelm you. He can try to take you captive. But the only thing that will take you captive is the reckless love of God. Because you know who you are. I am free. I am loved. I am more than a conqueror. You can try to confine me, devil, but you can't contain me because I'm on assignment. There's a confidence and a boldness when you know that I have not been aligned by myself. I've not been aligned by my insecurities. I've not been aligned by my need to have a platform. But I'm here because you put me here, God. And I'm with these people because you brought them to me and you joined me to them. And it's in that place where we begin to walk in a new confidence. And there's something that God uses this when we're not just confident in ourselves, but confidence in us, confident in him. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. From the praise of the few came the release of the many. It wasn't just a song they were singing. It wasn't just a fire they were trying to conjure. They'd gone through a process. And so then when it was released, it wasn't just their conjuring up God. They had been vessels aligned with God, assigned by God. And so when they just begin to release, they're not conjuring. They're just releasing the kingdom in the atmosphere. Can you imagine the impact, the transformation, the activation in our churches, if we refuse to skip steps, if your worship team was more focused and invested, not just in making sure we did that song right, but learning how do we rightly align our lives? How do we rightly align our hearts? If, if we made a shift from just calling down fire, but aligned our lives in such a way and allowed the Holy Spirit to clarify our assignment, our divine assignments, so that he could activate us in such a way that no devil in hell or agenda of man could extinguish it. That is a place where self doesn't just get out of the way but makes way for the presence of God. It's a place where singers and musicians are no longer fighting for solos, but looking for opportunities to serve. It's a place where the demonic strategy to see discord between senior pastors and worship leaders is crushed under the weight of covenant and conviction. And it's a place where we aren't content with going to church to turn up on Sunday, but we are contending in our city that it would be turned upside down for the glory of God. So church, let's get ready. Let us take aim and let us fire for the kingdom. Would you bow your heads?
King Jesus. We get excited in these moments, as we rightly should, because we get a taste of something that we so long for, and that is a taste of heaven. Just as any of us would go to an amazing restaurant, we would go and eat an amazing meal that was made by a chef that went to culinary arts school. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, not yes to enjoy that meal, but also as worshipers, musical worship leaders, and as those who will go back. Lord, would you give us the patience not just to really want that meal, but to go through the process of school. Lord, would you begin by aligning our hearts to yours? Would you help us? Would you clarify your assignment? Even this weekend, Lord, would you clarify that when we go back to serve, Lord, we would have deeper confidence and clarity about what you've called us to do. And Lord, I'm asking that you would activate and you would set in motion a work in our churches Lord, that those that walk in would know us, not just for the high praise that we release, but they would be, we would be known by the people who are being freed and set freed and the chains that are falling off. In Jesus' name, amen.